Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, 77 WABC Radio. Folks, the police in Syracuse are owed a major apology. The police in Syracuse, New York, about a four-hour drive from New York City, located in central New York, are owed a major apology if you did not hear me. Why? If you saw the initial video, it represents everything that is wrong in America, according to the woke crowd, the allegation, white police officers, oh, mishandling an eight-year-old defenseless black child because he reportedly stole a bag of chips all caught on video. The governor, Kathy Hochul, even chimed in, declaring as a mother, the video was hard to look at. Then there was the allegation the child was handcuffed, which he was not, which he was not. The reality is the police have had several encounters with this eight-year-old shoplifting before. Well, 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 the person that initially recorded this should be arrested. Now we know the full story, the full story based on several police body cam videos. And later I will chat with the executive director of the New York City Fire Museum about a new exhibit honoring EMS and firefighters during heroic actions during the pandemic. But first, back to the police in Syracuse, New York, and the eight-year-old over a bag of chips who, by the way, has had another encounter with police since this incident being accused of stealing a bicycle. I'm going to break this entire situation down. The anatomy of, in this case, a false racial incident involving the police. These officers deserve to be honored for how they dealt with the child. This is my podcast. Let's go. I spent time looking at the body cam videos. Police in Syracuse, New York, did nothing wrong with this eight-year-old accused of stealing a bag of chips. In fact, they went out of their way to talk to the child and his brothers in front of their father. The body cam videos prove the officers use tremendous restraint. Let's start with the original video, and folks, this is how a riot can start. A community resident taped the encounter. And this guy should be arrested for telling only part of the story and trying his best to agitate the police. What is y'all doing? What is y'all doing? Hey, he look like a baby to me. Why you? Why you? That's what I'm doing. I don't know what you're That's doing. Exactly I just see you snatching my the. So what? So what's going on then? You're stealing stuff. If he breaks into your house to steal something, nah, man. What are you saying? A bag of chips? So y'all treat me like a whole cold-blooded killer? Keep, keep walking, dude. You don't even know what you're talking about. Keep walking, I do. I, I know what I just came up and see. I know what the I just came up and see. Okay, what did you see? I see y'all snatching him off the bike like you're a grown-ass man. Was it him? Ain't he saying it wasn't him? What the is y'all doing? Crazy. How old is he? Ten years. 
fuck is y'all talking about, that's man? Against, that's against the law. What the is y'all doing? What is y'all doing? Take the fucking chips. If you stole some chips, I'll pay for them. I'll pay for them. You don't even know where he lives. Y'all just throwing him in the fucking car. That's what they do. They come here. What is y'all doing? Leave him alone. No camera. That's all we can do. He a kid. So that video went viral. So much so that New York Governor Kathy Hochul responded. As a mother, that was a heart-wrenching video to witness. And I know that the mayor is working closely with the police department uh, to get to the bottom of everything, but also make sure that uh, we do protect our children, that they're handled in a different way when it comes to encounters with law enforcement. I think that's uh, what all of our expectations will continue to be. But making matters worse, the eight-year-old at the center of all this, the encounter with the Syracuse Police Department, as I mentioned, has been involved with the law again, being ticketed for stealing a bike, and his family must appear in family court. Now for what really happened. Thank God for the police body cam videos. I want you to listen to this. Does this sound like insensitive police officers? After they have the eight-year-old child in the car, and the child, again, was never handcuffed. The child at this point is hysterical and kicking and trying to get out of the back of the patrol car. I want you to listen to how many times the officers patiently asked the child to stop never restraining him once. Then, when the police take the child home, they talk to the father and very politely to the kids. This is the sheer definition of what we, society, wants when it comes to community policing. Take a listen. Your dad's here trying to make a good life for you three, you four. And you guys aren't showing him a whole lot of respect. You're not very appreciative as to what your father's doing. I'm assuming you left your country to come here and make a better life for your family. And the police even offered the kids positive reinforcement. I don't want to be seeing you guys like this again. I'm happy to say hi to you boys in the street and talk, but I don't want to be tracking you down because you're stealing from people again. I'm not going to that Dollar General, the Dollar Store, or that corner store. And at a news conference, the Syracuse police put this all in perspective. First, I just want to say this. Uh, some of that video is hard to watch, right? Of course it is. It's a, it's a child in the back of a police car crying his eyes out. It's visceral. It's visceral to all of us. You wouldn't be a human being if you didn't feel for that. 
but I want to say that the video that was pushed out by the citizen when went viral was only part of the story. This morning you saw more video from body cams of what occurred that day, a more well-rounded story with a positive outcome. Some might even say uplifting when you watch the very end where the officers are interacting with the children and the father in the street in front of their house. This is not to say there weren't low points in this video, in this interaction, there were. This is, there are things we can learn and do better as always. But I would ask that you not overlook the things that went right in this video and in this interaction. Things not portrayed by that piece of video that went and that narrative that went viral. The child was not handcuffed at any time. He was not arrested. He was not taken to jail. And beyond those tangible things, there are other things that went, that went right as well during this in interaction. The officers knew that child by name and face. Granted, not for the reasons we would like them to know them, but they knew them. They knew where he lived. They knew his parents. And when they took the child home, they took the time to engage with that father, with that child, with his siblings, and talk about what went on. Folks, this is Community Policing 101. Community Policing 101. It's what every citizen is asking from their police department. Community policing. And it's what we ask the officers to do as well. Know your territory. Know the citizens in your territory, whether they're the adults or the children. And whenever possible, get out of your patrol car and engage with them when you're trying to address a chronic problem. This is all very sad, the way Syracuse police came under attack. Let's switch gears. As far as I'm concerned, we must always remember the work of first responders during the COVID pandemic. They are the real heroes. Well, one of the many secrets, if you will, of New York City is the New York Fire Museum. And the museum has a new exhibit highlighting the work of FDNY EMS during the pandemic. With me right now is Jennifer Brown, the executive director of the New York City Fire Museum. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's begin this way. This new uh, exhibit, it's titled Unmasking Our Heroes. What led you to create this? Well, the museum actually had the idea of this exhibit starting in 2020, really in the height of the pandemic. And it started with an effort to collect artifacts from the public related to the pandemic and EMS in particular, and EMS's role as first responders throughout the COVID-19 crisis. And it started back then. Uh, this seemed to be a really great time to launch the exhibit. The centerpiece of the exhibit is a video that was created by the fire department that tells first-person stories of some of the members of EMS, and it just seemed like a really good time to go ahead and launch it. Now, this spring, we're starting to welcome more visitors back to the museum, thankfully, and we decided to launch it this month. It sounds like a uh, wonderful exhibit. I looked at a video online, and it's, uh, it's really, really nice. Talk to me for a moment about the history of the museum and also where are you located? We're located on Spring Street in Hudson Square in Lower Manhattan. So we have a great location. We're in a 1904 fire station that was repurposed to create the museum there. It was Engine 30 Company in the past. And 
the museum itself dates back to 1870 in some form or another. So it really since almost the beginnings of the department itself and fire service in New York. But in this location, the museum moved in the 1980s. So it, it had a couple different homes throughout the years and then finally settled at 278 Spring Street. As we all remember, during the pandemic, people showed their support for essential workers by applauding in the uh, early evening. What does this say about how New Yorkers uh, felt, feel about the response of EMS, FDNY, and other essential workers? Well, I think we'll all remember those nightly rounds of applause for all of the first responders, including members of the fire department, healthcare workers, hospital workers. I mean, that was really a show of support for everybody on the front lines during that time. So certainly I think we'll all remember what that was like. Elements of the exhibit actually speak to the public's outpouring of support and gratitude toward first responders. And so we really wanted to be able to capture some of that as well. We have some artifacts and signs that community members made and posted around different EMS stations throughout the city and other media clips and things of that nature that really show the public's gratitude and support. What will visitors see when they visit the museum? Well, I mentioned earlier, the centerpiece of the exhibit is actually a video. It's about a 12-minute video. It's titled Unmasking Our Heroes, and it was made by the fire department, and it involves first-person interviews with three members of EMS, and they really speak very candidly and very poignantly about what it was like to be members of the department and on the front lines in terms of emergency medical workers throughout the pandemic. And so that's the centerpiece of the exhibit. And then we have numerous pictures of EMS members in the field throughout the entire two plus years of the pandemic. As I mentioned, we have some artifacts and things that were sourced from the public that were displays of gratitude, other data points and information about just how unbelievably overwhelming the demand and the call volume was for the department at that time. And we actually also have a wall where people who are visiting the exhibit are able to show their own gratitude by writing messages of support and putting them up on a board. That sounds uh, fantastic, interactive, if you will, with the public. We are chatting with Jennifer Brown. She is the executive director of the New York City Fire Museum. And uh, the museum uh, works closely with the fire department on fire safety. And of course, we've seen several deadly fires in recent months in the city, including that horrific one in the Bronx. I'm just curious here, what does your museum do to educate youth about, or perhaps others, about fire safety? Well, thanks for asking. That's actually a really, really important part of the mission. The museum, of course, is a history museum, but one of the things that we do do is fire safety education, and it is focused on children throughout the city. We have fire safety educators that take school groups and camp groups through fire safety education tours, if you will. And so they have an educational component in terms of a video and more of a classroom style learning about fire safety education. And the museum actually has a mock apartment that has been built out and the school groups and the camp groups are able to go into the mock apartment. They're able to look around, identify areas where there are fire safety issues 
talk through some of the things that they can do to prevent fire within their own apartments and homes. And then they actually simulate being able to escape from a fire situation with the fire safety educators leading them throughout the entire tour. That sounds like a wonderful experience for the young people. What else is on the horizon, uh, if you will, Ms. Brown, for the museum? Yeah, so I mentioned we're really looking forward to inviting more visitors back. I think like all cultural institutions throughout the city, the pandemic has been very, very difficult in terms of numbers of visitors and things of that nature. So we are looking forward to welcoming more people back this spring and summer, domestic tourists, people from the region, people from New York City itself, and then also international tourists. We are planning two additional special exhibits later this year. Unmasking Our Heroes will be displayed through late August, and then we'll be opening another exhibit during the month of September, and then a third special exhibit toward the end of the year. So there's much more to come throughout 2022 at the museum. I I close this way. Where else can our listeners go to learn more about the museum? We have an unbelievable amount of information about the museum and all of our events on our website, which is www.nycfiremuseum.org. Sounds wonderful. I want to thank Jennifer Brown, the executive director of the New York City Fire Museum, for joining us, and good luck with this new exhibit, and uh, we thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, count me and Jennifer Brown for wanting to come to the New York City Fire Department Museum to experience the exhibit highlighting the work of the fire department and the emergency medical service during the COVID pandemic. Jennifer Brown, the executive director of the New York City Fire Department Museum. Folks, if you are interested in my book on my life growing up in New York City and overcoming numerous obstacles, you can go to my website, the book website, nomamasboy.com, nomamasboy.com. You can catch me on 77 WABC Radio, weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m., and you can listen to the show online as well at wabcradio.com. Again, you can send me emails to dominic.carter at wabcradio.com. Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter t-shirts to hats and much more. Go to wabcradiostore.com. I will see you the next time right here. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, 77 WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.